Jesus, today we thank you as we've sung that we've received this unconditional love, this life of yours in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you. You didn't turn away when you found us in all of those various places that we were in when we came to you. You weren't, ash you weren't ashamed to call us your brothers, your sisters. Lord, I thank you today. When we think back of the moment where you found us, the moment where you enveloped us with your love was unconditional. The grace that you lavished upon our lives. We are forever grateful, Jesus. We are forever, ever eternally grateful for your love and the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we pray that the love that's in our heart that we've received from you would be a love that reaches out into the world in which we live, that we would reach others, that our lives would be an extension of your life to others. We ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Fantastic. Let's thank our musicians this morning. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, today I want to talk to you about the fact that you are created for connection. Your life in Christ is created for connection. You read the Word of God and you see very clearly that you are created to have an unbroken connection with God the Father through His Son, Christ Jesus. I tell you, when you understand that, when you realize that, there should never ever be a dull moment in our lives. Constantly connected with our Father in heaven. Constantly connected with the source of life, the Holy Spirit that lives and abides within us. You create it for connection. Connection with God. And also, not only connection with God, the wonderful thing, the beautiful thing about the church and the family of God is this, that we're created for connection one with another. We have fellowship with one another. You're not just here as a result of a series of choices that you made to get here and to root your life into this place. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you keep coming back to this place if you've left. No, you're drawn back. It's not an accident. It's by design. You're created for connection with one another. You're created for connection and fellowship. And as we, as we connect with one another, there's something that happens. It's not just a social gathering that occurs every Sunday and midweek as we meet in our homes and as we meet in our various teams. It's not simply a social gathering, a social connection that we have one with another. That fellowship that we share is rich with God's presence. That fellowship that we share is as a result of God bringing us together from all of our various backgrounds to be called His bride, His body, His church. That city on a hill that faith talked about that shines a message of hope in a dark 
world. Created to connect with God, created to connect with one another, and also, and this is what we're going to be focusing on this morning, created to connect with the world in which we live. Created to engage with the culture that's around us, not to run away from it, not to hide away from it, but to go right into it and to tell the lost world that we live in the good news of Jesus. Not to be legalistic or religious, but to go into our world every day with this one, with this one expectation. Lord, who are you going to send me to today to connect with? Who are you going to send me with today to give your message of life to? Who are you going to put across my path today, Lord, that I can minister to, that I can help with? Who, Lord, is going to come my way that I can encourage, that I can lift up, that I can be a blessing to? Do you know when God met Abraham in the Old Testament, God said to him this. He said, I'm going to make your, your name great as you follow me. And he said, I'm going to bless you, not in order for you to be blessed. You see, sometimes we get blessed and we think that the blessing just solely ends, starts and ends with our life. No, God said to Abraham, as he would say to us, I am blessing you in order for you to be a blessing for your life, to be a great extension of my blessing into this needy world. And as we've seen this morning, what a wonderful thing it is. The, the ministry of Jesus Cares that we have operating out of this house. It's very unique. It's very unique. And it's very special. And it's something that God, the Holy Ghost, has birthed in this church. Through our hands and through our involvement and through all of the various ways down throughout the years that we've prayed for it, cared for it, given into it. It's something so special. Do you know, when I look back, like Faye said, over these last 10 years, I can conclude this. It's far better to give than it is to receive. Oh, to give, to be a giver, to be generous. And we've worked with hundreds, listen, we've worked with hundreds of social care agencies throughout Southeast Wales and we've been able, our hands have not been taken, our hands as a church has been giving, giving and it's far better, it is far better just like Jesus said, nothing wrong with receiving but oh when you have a generous heart when your hand is ready to give what you receive, what blessing you receive from God. And you know, there's a verse in the Bible that, it, that says this. It's actually in the New Testament. It says that God provides seed to the sower. The sower. And when you sow seed, you receive a harvest, a harvest of, of produce, but a harvest of new seed to go ahead and sow again. And every, every month, as every month goes by, the storehouse of God is always full. I'm telling you now, it is always full. Sometimes it goes a little bit lean, but then suddenly from nowhere, the abundance of God comes and it keeps the storehouse of God full. Why? So that we can empty it. I tell the boys, I tell Alex, I said, as soon as it comes in, we get it out. 
We don't want a full storehouse when there's cupboards in people's homes that are empty. When there's, when there's parents around this city and the vicinities of this city that can't afford clothes for their children. We, we are not into stockpiling food, let me tell you. We are not into stockpiling provisions. As soon as we receive it, it goes out of the door on that van. My God, he does an awesome job. Alex does an absolutely awesome job. And Chi Chi, incredible. Not people just of words. I tell you, you don't hear him say much, but you look at his life and examine it and you see that he does a lot. And I like having people like that around me, not people that are big talkers, but people who, who are big walkers. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Not just, you know, Paul said, didn't he? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking and small talk. But it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's about getting involved and doing something with your life. It really is. And I'm not one for titles. I tell you now, I don't want a big fat title. I don't want an office with a title on it. I want my life to be fruitful. I want my life to produce a work. I want my life to be in line with the purpose of God, fulfilling the will of God for the allotted time that I have on this, on this earth. And by the grace of God, I tell you now, we're going to run harder, like Faye said, in the years to come to fulfill everything that God has placed in our hearts together as this family, as this church. We really are. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. That's our policy in Jesus Cares. As soon as it comes in, we get it out. Empty the place, and we've got faith for it now. Just empty the place because within, within hours, suddenly it's full again. Isn't that right, Alex? Tell you. I'm telling you. And we have warehouses. We have warehouses beyond, which we've told you about, even beyond our own small warehouse. We've got a warehouse 10 times the size of that that a generous businessman allows us to use 10 times the size of that warehouse where we have food ready, packed to meet every crisis. I'm telling you now, man, when God's, we don't often talk about this, but when God sets something up, when God sets something up, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's the work of his hand that we've been allowed to work with. It's so wonderful. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be a giver. To be a giver, not a taker, but a giver. Not just a receiver, but a, a, a participator, one engaged, sowing your life into the kingdom of God and into what he wants done. Tonight, I was speak, speaking to Richard on Friday from his church, and we were talking about this very thing. And it's wonderful, you know, the relationships that we've been privileged to have, people that we are privileged to walk with. I mean, and you're talking what God has done there in, in, in their lives just as they have gone out to give. When you go out to give, I'm telling you, you'll never be able to contain the blessing that God pours into your life. And we were just talking. Imagine, imagine now how I feel when I have a conversation with a man and he says, um, imagine being on the end of this call. I tell you, it blows your mind. 
He said, oh, he said, we want to we bring you another Arctic lorry load of food down on Sunday evening. How about that? I said, well, Alex will always be ready to receive it. Doesn't matter what time, night or, or day. And we're receiving an Arctic lorry of food tonight, Alex. And we receive one. I tell you, it's the storehouse of God. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Many years ago, when I was in my office, the Holy Spirit said this to me. Be faithful in small things and I'll make you master of much. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I will be faithful in small things. I will. When you attend to the small things, you overlook the small, you overlook the small, you'll never be entrusted with much. Jesus said it. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. I tell you, you attend to the small details faithfully. You attend to the small work that God puts in front of you. God's, God doesn't promote anybody to, to you know, to, to stardom. He's not a Simon, Simon Cowell in the kingdom. It's not the X factor principles that work here. I'm telling you now, God watches us as we convey our lives and do th small things well. He said, you, you, and then he, over the next years of my life, he put a series of tests that I was completely unaware of, a series of tests to see if I would be faithful in small things. I handled, I handled food and distributed it to others in such a small way. I handled toys and presents. I distributed them to others in such a small way. I didn't even realize at the time that God was testing me. But I'm telling you now, on the, on the assurance of God's word, if you will be faithful with small things, you shall be entrusted with much, whatever that is. If you are unfaithful with the small aspects of God's kingdom, his will, and the opportunities that he puts in front of you, you'll never, ever be faithful. You, well, it says you'll be unfaithful with much. What a wonderful, wonderful review that we had this morning. And I'm telling you now, in the years ahead, it's going to increase. It really is. It's going to increase. We are created, you see. This, the DNA within us all, as followers of Christ, is one of connection, created to connect. Not just with God, not just with one another. Of course, that too. But created to engage and connect with our world. And it's, inc it's incredible. The let me tell you, the credibility that this church has, not just with other churches, but where it really matters, friends, in this city, in the towns and other cities within Wales, the credibility that the King's Church has, even with politicians and MPs, it's incredible what Jesus has done in this place. Now, I'm going to read to you a well-known portion of Scripture this morning. And we're going to read about a man that was connected with his world. We're going to read about two men that were completely disengaged with the needs of the world that was about them. And you're going to recognize this story. And you're going to see how Jesus wants us to, to have eyes to see the needs in front of us. 
James put it like this. Don't tell me about your faith. Show me the works of your faith. Don't just quote scripture and quote Bible and get up in, the, in, in, in church and preach sermons. I want to see the outworking of your faith in the world in which you live. That's the great call. The great call and the great commission that every single one of us has as we follow Christ. It really is. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to read just seven verses. Jesus is talking about reaching the world, meeting the needs that are about you. He was being questioned by a lawyer, somebody that was very fluent with the law. And this lawyer begins to attack Jesus. He has an ulterior motive behind his questions when he's attacking Jesus. And Jesus simply strips away all the veneer, strips away all of the pretense and tells, us, tells a true story about three individuals that met a man on a Jericho road that was lying, battling for his life. Let's read it. Verse 30 through to verse 37 says this. Then Jesus answered and said to the man, the lawyer, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when they when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion or he was moved with compassion. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he sat and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Incredible story. Jesus peels away the veneer. Jesus peels away the pretense, gets right to the heart of the issue with this lawyer who's seeking to justify himself and corner Jesus in an argument. He says to him at the end of the story, go and do likewise. What was he saying? Well, he wasn't saying, now you go down the Jericho road and see if there's an injured man there that you can minister to. No, he was saying to this man, the Jericho road is around you every day. The Jericho road is what you walk on. It's called life. Go and do likewise. There's opportunity all around you. You've just got to open your eyes to it, sir. That's what he's saying. Look beyond the law. Look beyond the limitations. Look beyond your restrictions. Remove the hardness of your heart. It's become callous. See those who are in need and who are destitute of life and lay your life down for them. 
That's what Jesus was trying to do. He could have entered into an argument with that man. He could have, you know, he could have won the argument hands down. This was the Son of God. But Jesus was appealing to this hard-hearted lawyer and trying to pierce through that marble-like heart that he had by telling him this story. He wanted to win this man. He wanted to, to bring this man man's life to a point where he could use it for others. The Jericho Road is something that we're all on. The Jericho Road is something that we all go down every single day. It may be in your office. It may be in your workplace. It may be in your home. It may be in your friend's home. It's all around us every day. There are people languishing. And they may not be at the critical condition that this man was in laying destitute between life and death. But their need is equally as important to God. Battling with fear, battling with depression, battling with bereavement and grief. And Jesus very clearly outlines what had happened to this man. He fell among thieves. He was stripped, he was wounded, and then they departed, leaving him half dead. Do you know we live in a city? I haven't got to tell you this. You just open the paper, you'll see it. We live in a city, we live in a nation, we live in a country that's been stripped, many people stripped of their identity, many people reeling, not knowing where they are in relation to their sexuality, stripped, fallen amongst a thief. There's so many questions, so many needs, so many issues that face the church, that face our lives, where people are just languishing, stripped, stolen from, robbed, left, naked, stripped of their dignity, stripped of their identity, stripped of their life. And now they're languishing between life and death, not knowing what to do, doomed in some senses to a life of, of depression and fear, a pit that they don't think they can ever get out of. And I'm telling you now, what this city doesn't need is a priest and a Levite. It really doesn't. What this city and this nation doesn't need is a church like a priest that's got all of the dress and all of the paraphernalia of religion that can talk the talk, that's got the title, that's got the status, visibly looks good, but really has no heart of compassion that propels it to act, that propels it to do something. I'm so glad that I'm looking and I'm in a church. We may not be perfect. We're a bunch of roughnecks. Some of us. But you know what? I tell you now, and I'm not, I'm not, I am going to boast on you. We've got a heart of compassion in this place. I believe it. You hear, you see it, you hear it. 
And in, in October, we again, we're going to be doing our heart for the house. We're going to present everything that has been happening over this last past year. When you see it, we have the privilege of hearing about it and seeing, about, seeing it on a weekly basis. This church has a heart of compassion. It really does. That beats for the lost. That beats to reach people. That beats to bring people into the fullness of what God has for them, whether it's through their words or whether it's direct through action. It's wonderful. This church is not like that hard priest that went down that road that saw that man languishing, dying, naked. And the Bible, Jesus actually points out, he said that when the priest saw him, he just kind of acted as if he didn't know that he was there. He passed quickly on the opposite side. He didn't even cross the road to see what he could do. He just made a quick calculation that it was going to be an inconvenience to get involved in. It was going to cost too much. And he calculated all of the facts and he moved quickly on. Cold, hard, hard. And then the Levite came by and Jesus said that when you read the original language, the picture is this. Whilst the priest walked by on the opposite side, the Levite did something different. He walked over to the man and he began to look at the man. And whilst he was closer to him than the priest, after he collected all of his facts, and it was curiosity that put him there, not compassion, he was just curious as to what had happened to the man and why he was in the condition that he was in after he collected all of the facts from his curiosity, he walked on by. And then we see this, this wonderful person called the Good Samaritan, hated by the Jews. And he steps into the need and he goes to that man and it, it, it's a wonderful picture because this man has everything at his disposal ready for that man's need that's in front of him. He takes out the oil and oil there in that time was a prized possession to medicate wounds. And he would, he, he, they would use oil to wash the wounds, to clean out the wounds. And then once he cleaned those wounds out of that man, he, he brought wine and he disinfected his, his wounds with that wine. Two commodities that this man was carrying that the priest or the Levite didn't have. Why is that? Well, maybe that man got up every day with this expectation. Who, who am I going to get connected with today? Who is my life who, who am I going to meet that my life is going to be a means of blessing? Who is it that I'm going to see today on life's way that I can help, that I can bless? When this man, this good Samaritan saw this man languishing, it says his heart was moved with compassion. He didn't criticize him. He didn't dress him up and down like the priest did. He didn't pass by. He couldn't. He didn't, 
He wasn't curious as to why he got into the position that he was in and what had happened like the Levite did. No, this compassion, this compassion in his heart drove him to help this man. He lifts the man up. He puts him on his, his donkey and he takes him to an inn and he puts him in that inn and he pays the bill. Whatever it takes, whatever this man needs while I'm away, you make sure that, that he, you attend to him and I'll pay any outstanding expense when I come back. That's what a generous heart does. That's what a giving heart does. That's what a person does that truly embodies the Word of God and the life of the Spirit. They get involved at their own expense. They get involved at their own cost. It doesn't matter how inconvenienced the circumstance, how, how inconvenienced their life is. Life, their li how inconvenienced is their life. It doesn't matter. Why? Because their heart of compassion reaches. And this is what this man, this man did. Do you know, I'm sure we, we're all aware of um, Metro Ministries that's headed up. I'm not sure if it is now, but was certainly headed up for many years by Pastor Bill Wilson in New York. If you're not, uh, Bill Wilson is the pastor of the largest Sunday school in the world. And he has uh, many different works across the world. His organization does. But there's an amazing story that's attached to Bill Wilson's life. At 12 years of age, his mother decided that she couldn't go on anymore. So she took Bill to a street corner and she put him down on that street corner and said, listen, I can't do this anymore. Wait here till I come back. And he waited for three days on that street corner without food and without, without drink. And we've had Pastor Bill Wilson in this church and he's told that story years ago. Three days, three nights on that street corner. And he said, whilst I was waiting for my mother to return, hundreds of people passed me. Not one inquired. Now he's 12 years of age. He said, not one inquired as to why I was there, as to what I needed, if I needed help. And he said, I was just 12, I was a 12-year-old kid told to stay there by my mother. I wanted to obey. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. See, so he said, I just sat, sat there abandoned by my mom. And he said, hundreds of people passed me by until one man stopped. A man by the name of David, who was a Christian. He stopped. And this guy wasn't a pastor. He wasn't, you know, he didn't have any big title. He was a car mechanic and. Car mechanic. And he stopped. He made a decision when everybody else was passing by to stop and to stand in front of this young man and ask him, can I help you? 
And Bill suddenly realized that his mum wasn't coming back at 12 years of age. This, this man, Mark, a, a car mechanic, took him up, took him to his home, and then sent him to a Bible camp in the ensuing months. And suddenly, at 12 years of age, Bill Wilson went into a meeting, and he, for the very first time, came into contact with the presence of God. And it changed his life. And on from there, he went to graduate with a theological degree from a university. And, and his life took on new meaning. And then God took him on this strange journey to reach children that were abandoned. He'd been abandoned. And now he was going to use his life to reach others that had been abandoned, to reach others that were lost and destitute. And, and before long, he was running buses all over New York. Jason's been there. Running buses over, all over New York and, and to the point where tens of thousands of young children, many of them abandoned, many of them coming from abused homes, many of them left on the ash heap of life. This man reaching them, pulling them in, creating a family. What is that? That's a man going down the Jericho road of life every single day, looking out for who he can find with the necessaries of life, the oil and the wine, to medicate every hurt, to medicate every need that he finds. And to the extent that, that his ministry is global. He didn't set out to have a global ministry. He's not interested in that stuff if you listen to him. On the contrary. No, he set out to meet one person and then two and then three and then four. And listen, I believe that the Holy Spirit is highlighting this to us very simply this morning for this reason. Your Jericho Road is right into your world tomorrow and you're going to find people that have been stripped. And listen, you, you, you know, you're not going to give them a big gospel sandwich that they can't eat. But your encouragement, your involvement, your care of their life and even your prayers, you're going to pray for them. Your heart's going to break over them. You're going to cry tears for them. And you're going to be there for them. You're not going to judge them. You're not going to walk down the other side of the road around them. You can't because in your DNA, you see, you've been created to connect with the world that's around you. And it's going to fulfill you. The sense of God's spirit within you is going to come alive as you reach others. You're going to reach them. And you may bring them to church, you may not. You know, years ago now, a number of years, three or four years ago, remember going down the canal. And I prayed to the Lord for a number of months, just one prayer. One prayer every day. Lord, make me a friend of sinners. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to be in the pubs with them. I want to be sitting with them. I want to be right in the center of it. Make me a friend of sinners. You are a friend of sinners, Jesus. Make me a friend of sinners. Well, that prayer has come to pass. And on a weekly basis, 
I have contact. I'm in that world on that Jericho road. And it's wonderful. I love it. I love it. Every minute of it provides me an opportunity. And whether people come to church or not, I, my prayer continually is that they come into the house of God, that they root themselves down among the family of God, that we can be a blessing to them. But I'm telling you that, I'm telling you now whether they come or whether they not, whether they don't, I'm staying in that world because he's answered my prayer. And I don't care how long it takes, even if it's just for one, I'm there. He's going to open our eyes. Your eyes, your eyes are already open to it. He's dropping into your heart right now people that you can reach, people that you can love on, people that you can encourage. And don't worry, don't go with any preconceived ideas as to what you're going to say. Just be there. Be there. And let his love flow and let your commitment of life be alongside them. Amen. Amen. We're not a church. We are not a church. That's like that old hard priest that's got all of the veneer and all of the right dress and all of the right words, but a cold, stubborn, hard heart that can't reach into the needs of community and into the needs of the world. We're not like, we're not like the Levite, the critiques, and out of curiosity, looks at the need but never does anything. No, we're like that good Samaritan, friends. We're like that good Samaritan that runs on in, into that need and does what we can. We may not be able to do everything, but I'm telling you now, we have a heart commitment in this church to do something. And whether it's big or whether it's small, we will be faithful in it. We really will. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Lee to come now. Lee has a great story. And uh, Lee... Lee and Claire, they're such a blessing, aren't they? Such a blessing to us. And um, Lee told me this story years ago, years ago when it first happened, and it blessed my heart so much. These are people that love people. They really are. These are people that, that, um, that don't talk much, but do a lot of walking when it comes to helping people. And uh, I just want you to listen to Lee, to a story that's, uh, that's a real blessing. And it could trigger something in you as you listen to it. It could trigger something in you. You might forget what I say. You might remember what he says in the future. And it could trigger your life to become the blessing that God's designed it to be to, to, to connect with others. Go on, Lee. Yeah, so it was um, probably 10 years ago now that we was living at our old house. And there was a family down the road that kept very much to themselves and you'd see them going to school and you tried to say morning and but they just keep their head down and, and not say anything. And they, they had a teenage son and you'd see him, it was, a, it was a winter period, we'd see him going to school, his trousers was halfway up his legs, um, he had, you know, holy trainers on or, or sandals or whatever. And we just thought that there's a family in need, you know, but you don't want to go and say, you know, you're in need. How, how can we help? So we just prayed, Lord, just give us an opportunity to, to form a relationship with this family. And if we can be of any help to them, then, then so be it, if, you know. So it was the following spring, summer, and we were doing some house renovations in our, in our 
old house. I mean, a pile of, I think it was like rubble and, um, you know, shed panels, fence panels, and they were in our front garden, ready for me to take to the skip. And the, I think it was the wife of the family, she kind of came up the road and she said, I'll take that away for you. You know, we've got a van, I'll take that away for you. And, and you know, we'll charge you to take it away for you. Now I could have taken it myself to the skip, we'd have taken a couple of journeys in the car. But I thought, or we thought, you know, this is an opportunity to, you know, build a relationship with these people. So he said, yeah, fine, take it away. She was like, it'll cost you 120 quid. I was like, yeah, okay. Um, should I just do it in my car? No. I said, okay, yeah, brilliant, thanks. So we, you know, we paid for them to take, take the rubbish away to the skips. Now, I don't know if they were registered waste carrier or if they just flight tipped it. That's not my problem. But they took it away and we paid them 120 quid. Um, so as a result of that, we kind of formed a relationship with them and we'd just meet with them and chat with them. And it came the time, I'm not sure how it happened, but they kind of invited us down to the house um, or, we, or we, we got invited into their home and they shared with us that they were living in abject poverty in Cumbran, quiet neighborhood where you don't think anybody's in need, you know. And they shared with us that the social services had come into their home and they were going to take the children off them. They had three children, two teenage sons and a, and a six, seven-year-old daughter. And they invited us in to their home. And when we were in there, I was like looking around and there was no ceiling in the kitchen and the social services said this is um, in, uninhabitable we're going to take the children off you anyway we, we, we formed a relationship with them over the period of months and I'm not sure I think they kind of just shared with us and, and asked us was there any way that we could help them you know they didn't want to lose their children um, and we talked with our connect group and as a connect group and a bunch of people we helped them we you know we cleaned their house we pa painted their house um, Dean Stone uh, re put a ceiling up in the kitchen and you know as a bunch of people we were just able to to enable that family to stay together by providing a safe you know home for them to live in we painted we decorated we provided bedding for the children and you know they were just so thankful anyway the time came where the the, the wife uh, was pregnant and you know, they had older children. They didn't have any money for getting stuff for the for the new baby. And Claire went into the Jesus Cares office, and there was a, a baby crib there. And like we talked about, 4,000 children's hampers or whatever given out. There's this baby's crib there. And Claire said, could we take that for our neighbors down the road? Yeah, sure. So we took it, and a, a baby hamper. And in the baby hampers, I think there's a little card that says Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And we took this up to our house and invited the family up. And they kind of walked in and this crib was there. And uh, I feel like I'm doing a Dave Coulthard now. Um, and, you know, there was this crib and this bouquet of hamper of food, uh, clothes, you know, and we just said to them, that's for you. The, the people of our church want to give this to you. And they were just gobsmacked and just crying that people, people want to help them. And um, 
you know, they, they had the baby and, you know, this must have been eight, nine, ten years ago, I don't know. But um, we, we've moved from that area five, five years now and the guy still pops down our house, you know, and he's doing well. He's still in the house. He no lo- the wife is no longer with him, but he's still bringing up the two te- teenage sons on his own in the house. And if I could just leave one thought with you, you know, we, we've always got opportunities to do good. It could be people that we know, you know, uh, mothers, fathers at the, at the school gates. It could be members of, of our work, you know, that we can do it. Or it could be people that we don't know, you know. But you always get an opportunity and just remember that do good. Amazing. That's it. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close right now. Lord Jesus, today, we ask you again. Lord, as our eyes see the need around us, I pray that our hearts would be moved and stirred. Compassion, the compassion, the very compassion that caused you to reach us where you found us. Lord, I pray that that same compassion would cause us, as it's done in the past, to reach the world in which we live. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful family, wonderful family of believers, people that don't just have empty talk, but Lord, that come on through with their lives and give their lives in selfless service to others. Lord, I pray. This city around us is in great need. It's in great need. Hundreds, thousands of people stripped, wounded, laying naked through the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and all of the things that are stripping them, stripping them. Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person in this building. You would anoint them with your power. You would anoint them to reverse any curse on anybody's life, that you would anoint them to go. And like like Lee said, Lord, be that good Samaritan with practical work, the practical work of their hands, the, the, the involvement of our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your will through our lives. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. All God's people said, and get expected. Let's.